to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm very thankful that my message is not on politics today. Well, that would have been fun, wouldn't it? I want to talk to you about the spiritual aspect of the inauguration. I will say this. The Christians that are so hot and heavy on the debate, and regardless of which side of the fence you're on in our country right now, if we had half of that energy proclaiming the gospel, uh, we would be turning this world, this nation, and this world upside down. God let it be. God let it be. You know, this is all part of the plan. God is not going, "Ah, Donald Trump got elected president. There was a a women's march? Oh my goodness, I didn't see this coming. No, God 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 sees it all coming. I mean he knows. He's and know this. God hasn't sweated. He's not freaking out from the throne. What he is, is he's expecting you and I to rise to the occasion right now. Even as Kevin was so eloquently sharing here today. To rise to the occasion. It's time for us to rise up as Christians. If there ever was an opportunity or a time where we need to present hope to the world, true hope and true change, it's through Christ. It really is through Christ. If the Lord is coming back soon, we need to be on our guard. We need to be ready. I've kind of gotten hung up over the last uh, uh, week. My son's getting sick and tired of hearing it. Um, there was a fellow by the name of... Uh, anybody you guys, any of you guys remember Larry Norman? Anybody? Some of you guys would. One of you guys would. <laughs> Larry Norman was like the first Christian rock musician back in the 60s and into the 70s and so on and so forth. And How many of you guys have ever seen the movies? Uh, there was four movies. I don't even remember two of the movies, but uh, because I don't, I guess I just never watched them. But the first movie was like totally dialed in, man. It was, it was a cool movie. The second movie uh, was... Okay, I mean, not the greatest of acting in either one of the movies, but the second one was a little rougher to watch. And so I I didn't see the the third and fourth movie. But how many of you guys have ever seen the movie A Thief in the Night? Do you remember that? Really? We need to have a movie time. We are going to have a movie time. A Thief in the Night? None of you guys have ever seen that movie? It was an old 70s movie? Bert? The star? Absolutely nobody, anybody would know. It was a Christian movie about Jesus coming back. <laughs> about, about, it, it really kind of centers around a girl who is married. Um, she has friends. She has family. I think she was married. Yes, she was. Well, I mean, it's the very first scene. And, but that's the, the, the just of the movie is that she hears the, about the gospel. She waits and all of a sudden, she wakes up and her husband is gone. And chaos ensues. The rapture's happened. And that's the movie. What goes on during the rapture? This is, 
You remember the Left Behind? Okay, let me ask you that. The Left Behind movies? Oh, look at you guys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Second rate, man, to these. <laughs> actually, not really. They were actually, which is saying a lot now about the acting, because if I say that those were really well-acted movies compared to A Thief in the Night, now you know these are B-rated movies. I mean, but hey, I've, there's a song some of you guys have heard. How many of you guys have ever heard of the band DC Talk? Hey, okay, a couple. All right, a few. All right, all right. Do you remember that they, they sang a song, um, uh, wish we'd all would, I Wish We'd All Been Ready? I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up the hill. What was interesting is that, that that's the theme song of the movie. I wish we'd all been ready. But I started looking back at the movie and, and looking at uh, some of the comments. Hands down, the vast, vast, vast majority of the comments about this movie were the first and biggest comment that I see just the thread that just goes on and people were saying, oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. It was that I hated that movie. It gave me nightmares. I saw it back when I was a kid and I couldn't get, I had nightmares. I couldn't get it out of my head. How dare anybody ever make a movie like that because it freaks people out. It's a horror flick. And I'm thinking, wow. The reality is the Bible says Jesus is coming back. Let's not tell anybody because that'll scare them. Let's not freak people out because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, <laughs> I was shocked at how many people, the vast majority of the people on the thread are just going, I would, I would never recommend this movie because it'll give you nightmares. You know, there's like one or two that would say, you don't have to have a nightmare except the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a good thing you don't have to have a nightmare. You understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you believe in him, you won't endure this tribulation period that's coming upon the face of this earth. If you reject him, you will. And I hope to give you nightmares on that because I don't want you to go through that. Now, I know that the Bible tells us that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance and not the fear of the ultimate destination, smoking or non-smoking room, of where you'll be spending eternity. But it, it's the gospel. It's the reality. The reality is that, gang, we are playing with, with a loaded pistol with people. We have an opportunity to touch the world around us. You have an opportunity to touch the world around you. Donald Trump is not going to save this world. We have a temporary president. And whoever is going to come after him is going to be temporary. Jesus Christ, according to scriptures, in the book of Hebrews, says he is the same yesterday, today, and even forever. He's not going to change. He's always going to be on the throne. He doesn't get voted out. He doesn't have protest against... Well, he does have protests against him, but it doesn't matter. In fact, <laughs> there's actually a scripture verse in... I, I said I wasn't going to get political, but I, I, and I'm not political. This isn't a political message. This is a call to us as a church to say, hey, let's rise to the occasion of what it is that we have been called to do. But you see, the nations might rise up and protest. They might rise up and they will rise up and protest. 
But here, here's what the psalmist says. Some of you guys know this psalm, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? You know what that is? That's protest. We don't want you, God, to tell us what we're to do or what we're not to do. You know? Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, they set themselves and the rulers, they take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who's his anointed? It's Christ. It's Jesus. Why does the world come against Jesus and plot against Jesus and protest? Because they don't want to do it his way. But it doesn't matter. He's on the throne and he'll never secede that throne. He'll never let that throne go. Nobody will ever be able to usurp the throne away from him. Now, it it was tried once, right? By who? We remember? Who? Satan, Lucifer, yeah. And what happened to him? Yeah, not, not a good ending to that story, was it? He was cast down as lightning. How? God spoke but the word. And Satan fell like lightning. He didn't even need to lift a sword. God's word is more powerful than any two-edged sword. So these nations, they're protesting. The people, they plot vain things against the Lord and against Jesus. And they say, let's break their bonds in pieces and cast their cords from us. We want nothing to do with them anymore. And here's God's answer to that. Know this. This is all the way back in the second Psalm. And does this make God bad? No, I don't think so. I think that this is just reality hitting you like hitting us like a and hitting the the people like a brick wall. It says in verse four, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. You know what that means? I'm going to let you just stay in your craziness. Just your craziness. This is just silly. It's just ludicrous. It's just absolutely ludicrous. And then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy mountain or my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Speaking of Christ, he's on the throne. He's never going to come off the throne. The whole world might rise up against God and it will be nothing. The whole world banded together against God is nothing. They're far outmatched. You mean all the people coming together can't overpower God? No. Satan couldn't do it. Nobody can. This is his creation. You're his creation. We're his creation. He loves us. He doesn't want us to protest him. He wants us to live for him. What does it mean to live for him? Oh, man, you're going to put us under bondage. No, I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to break the chains that hold you down. Right now, you have chains that are going to take you to hell. I want to break those chains. You have chains that are holding you in depression. I'm going to break those chains. You've got chains that hold you in hopelessness. I I want to break those chains. I'll give you hope. I'll give you purpose. I'll give you a life worth living. And I'll give you a future and a hope. I know my thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. We know that verse, right? 
I know my thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a, a future and to give you a hope. Another version of the Bible, instead, instead of saying to give you a future and a hope, it translated to bring you to a glorious end. That's God. What, what's so bad about that? I want to be brought to a glorious end. Don't you? There's, there's four football teams that are going to be playing today. Two football games. They're going to be playing for the right to play in the Super Bowl. Why are they playing today? To get to the Super Bowl. So that they can do what? To win the Super Bowl. Who will be happy in a few weeks? The team that won. Not the team that got there. Hey, I got there. Yeah, I got blown out. Or just lost just a little by a little few points. The glorious end is that they're holding the, the, the trophy up at the end of the season and said, hey, we are the champions. But it's fleeting. Because the moment that that game's over, everybody's plotting for the next season. It's not lasting. It's not lasting. I mean, the Super Bowl is huge in this country. I'm a, I love, I'm an avid football lover. I like it. I played it my whole life growing up. I love it. I understand it. One of the few things I understand. But here's the thing. I'm going to ask you right now, who won the Super Bowl 11 years ago? Right now, anybody? 11 years ago. Who? Who won it 11 years ago? Huh? Joe Montana. Oh. Anybody know? Anybody care? Nobody really even cares. But you know what? 11 years ago, they really cared. But 11 years ago, that was, are you 11? Oh, that's awesome. It was a good year. 11 years ago, it was a very good year. It was a very good year. Um, here's, so for Joshy, it, it means something because that was the year that he was born. Do you remember who won the Super Bowl? The year that you were born? What kind of football fan are you? I'm just joking. Here's the thing. Paul talks about it. He goes, they all do it for a perishable gift, but we for an imperishable crown. This is not my message today. My message is here in just a second, but I want, I want to do this. I want you to know that we are living for an imperishable God, an imperishable crown, a ruling and an everlasting ruling and reigning Lord. And it's not about what's happening here on the earth right now. It's not about the protest, whether you wanted him to be in the White House or whether you didn't. It doesn't matter. I am totally, truly, 100% with Kevin when he says, listen, don't do anything that is going to destroy your opportunity to present Christ. Because that is lasting. That's lasting. We're freaking out because you're either happy or you're sad. But for the next four years, it's just going to change again. Jesus Christ, he doesn't change. And he gives us hope. And he gives us a future. He gives us an eternal home. And gang, 
That is what he's called you. That's what Jesus has called you. That's what he's called me to go out into the world to do. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. And baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we are nearing the end of the age, gang. And we have been called by God as a Christian. If you're a Christian in this room right now, He has handpicked you. Don't just look at the person next to you. Don't just imagine the person next to you or the other people in this room or, or sit there and go, well, yeah, He's picked you because you speak every week. No, He's picked every single one of us. And we're going to see that here in just a second. He's picked every single one of us to represent Him and to represent Him well, to influence, to go out and, in, and affect the world around us for His glory, for His gospel. Because the greatest thing that we could ever pass on to anyone is not finances, is not wealth, is not possessions, is not a job, is not... There's nothing in this world that we can pass on to anybody that is greater than passing on to them eternal life. It's the one thing, it is the one thing that is the most important subject, unfortunately, It's the one thing that we oftentimes shy away from because we don't want to offend anyone. And so, man, if we could take some of the energy that we're using to argue this battle that is fleeting and temporary at best and divert that attention and energy over to sharing and doing what it is that God's called us to do, man, we're going to turn this world upside down. At least your own sphere of influence. It may not go super well at first, but it's an opportunity. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I don't have a lot uh, today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, we read, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Did you hear that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Is there a word that jumps out at you as I just read all of that? Yeah, yeah. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our consolation, they just changed up the word because it's the same exact word for comfort. For our comfort also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort or consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or, if we are comforted, it's also for your comfort or consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast. It's permanent. It's it's something that is is ongoing and will be always be ongoing. Our hope for you is ongoing 
forever. Because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation or the comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also, helping together in prayer for us, that many thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Father, I pray that you help us to understand this passage today. Anoint my mouth, anoint my mind, anoint my tongue, that I might be able to share with your sheep, with your flock, with your people, with your children, your precious children, your word. Comfort them, encourage them. Minister to them. Love them, Lord. Educate them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, which, as you know, we've talked about this before. It was actually a second. The second Corinthians is actually the third. He references the first letter in first Corinthians. So this is actually the third letter that is being written. But Paul's first letter to the Corinthians was a disciplinary. We just finished it last week, right? It was a disciplinary type of a letter that he had to reluctantly exercise and utilize his apostolic authority as he dealt with the many problems that crept into that young church in Corinth. Paul is not one that would go around and say, I'm the apostle, listen to me. He reluctantly had to go in and say, hey, listen, I'm an apostle, not by the will of man, but by God. It was by the will of God that he did this. It's not, I'm not here bragging. I'm just stating a fact that this is what God has called me to. And I'm telling you, this is who God has called me to be. And this is what God has called me to to say. And this is what God has called me to reach out to you with. And so he, he, he had to pull the apostle card, if you will. Very rarely will I ever pull a pastor card. In fact, I don't know when I've ever pulled the pastor card. You know, actually, I have had to pull the pastor card a couple of times. I've had to. I was talking to, I can't remember who it was I was talking to the other day. I think I was talking with, with uh, uh, Kevin and Christine and uh, somebody else. I think it was at the conference just this last week when I was still the singer, singles pastor over in Fort Lauderdale, Calvary, Fort Lauderdale. And we had this guy that came in and he was all decked out, you know, his shirt was buttoned down to here, you know, gold chains on and things like that, you know, perfect haircut, you know, really tan. And he came to our Friday night Bible study that had probably four or five hundred people there, six hundred people there. That was our singles group. How do you like that? That's the most volatile group in a church. It's, that's where the hormones are racing, man. That's where people want to be married. And, and you've got to keep it under control. I had a great group of leaders there in that, Kevin being one of them. And, and as... You know, we'd have a barbecue and we'd have a, a, a band that would come out and play for a while. And then I'd give a, I, I would give a, a you know, a, not a long, lengthy message, you know, kind of. You go, yeah, right. Have you ever done that? No. Uh, it, it wasn't super long. But, you know, I'd give a message. 
And then we'd spend and hang out and we had some great time. Well, there was this one guy that came along one time and he was just scoping on how many ever girls he could, he could scope on, you know. And some of the girls were coming to me and saying, hey, this guy is make, he's kind of creeping me out, man. He's kind of a creeper, kind of a creeper. And so I went and I, I talked to him. And, and, and I, I, I didn't really announce it to the leaders that I was doing that. I just kind of went over and, and, and I said, hey, uh, hey, some of the girls have come to me and they've said that you've kind of made them a little uncomfortable with some of the things that you've said. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just asking, hey, man, can you t- kind of tone it down a little bit? And, and he kind of took one step towards me and, and he used some expletives, uh, expletives and he says, who the blank do you think you are? I said, I'm really nobody, but I'm asking you to, 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 to tone it down. And then he, he said it again. Who the blank do you think you are? I had to pull the card. You know, I, I'm the singles pastor here. I lead this group. And with that kind of language, I'm going to ask to have, have to ask you to leave. Yeah? Who's going to make me leave? That's where I was so proud of my leadership. <laughs> Because it was, it was like, I didn't have to say anything. I mean, listen, Trump was, is not as well guarded as I was that day. Because as he said that, you could hear the tenor in his voice. And it's just like, whoom, there was guys around me. I said, I think it's time for you to leave. And we had to escort him off the property. Listen, I don't pull that card. I don't like to pull that card. Paul didn't like to pull that card. But he did. Because he needed to get through to the young church... By the way, I saw that guy later, but that's for another day. But, but here's the thing. In a bagel store. <laughs> so, so uh, I'll tell you later sometime, other time. I don't have time for it right now. But here, here's the thing. I don't even know why I said that. But, but he's trying to tell this young church, there's problems. God has given me the authority to come in here and... and the church started because God sent me here. I'm like the father of this church, man. Obviously that God is the father, but God has sent me here to be the pastor. I'm gone now. I'm, I'm away from you right now. I'm over in a KI right now. And I'm having to, in a letter, deal with problems that have crept into your young church. Problems such as divisiveness and immorality and and lawsuits and selfishness and abuses of communion and abuses of spiritual gifts and even denials of the resurrection of Jesus. And so he's having to address these things. And so he did in in the first letter, in 1 Corinthians, he addresses those things. Well, the moment that the letter is read, the moment that the letter is read and it's now, you know, distributed to everybody, who rises up? The protesters. The Bible oftentimes calls these the mixed multitude. If you go back into the book of Exodus, you find that God calls the children of Israel out of Egypt, what? To go into the promised land. And as they're going into the promised land, it says that there's a mixed multitude that went with them. You remember when Moses went up? I I was going to turn to it, but I'm just going to very quickly give you a summation of what it was. As Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days... When he delayed his coming back down, it says that the mixed multitude began to spread these words around going, oh, this Moses, 
who's come out here. I mean, who does he think he is telling us? I mean, who made him the appointed leader of us? I mean, really? I mean, look at what he's doing. He's taking us. We're in the desert. He's been gone for a long time. We're sitting here. We don't have any leeks or onions or garlic out here. We're in the desert. We're eating this stuff in the desert that comes on the ground every day. Don't you remember? We had leeks and onions and garlic back in Egypt. Yeah. Let's not talk about the slavery that we were under or the hard labor that we were enduring. Let's just talk about what we put in our stomachs. And because I don't understand the future, I want to cause a problem here amongst the group of people that God has called out of Egypt. And so the mixed multitude began to, to infect like a cancer the people, the mixed multitude. We want to worship a God. Aaron, come on. We want to worship a God. Moses is gone. You've got to stand up. People will listen to you. Do something about this. We want to party. We want to party and we want to party now. And we want to party in a lascivious manner. And we're not going to take no for an answer. Because they had grown up some support the mixed multitude. And so they convinced Aaron, okay, well give me all your gold. And you remember Aaron's excuse on that when Moses ended up coming back down? Well, everybody was freaking out because you were gone, Mo. And so, I mean, they were saying, uh, we don't have a God. I mean, because you were like the one that was telling us about God. And, and so I just said, hey, give me all your gold. And they did. And I, I just threw it in a fire. And then out popped this calf. <laughs> what a lie. He fashioned it. He had it fashioned into a golden calf. And then the people threw a party. They started playing music and drinking and having inappropriate relations amongst themselves. They began to defile themselves. All because there was a mixed multitude among them that started this under-grumbling. And God had to take them out. And even those that were swayed away and, and swayed with their, their influence. Well, that's what's happening here in Corinth. There's a mixed multitude there. They're sitting there going, who does, who does Paul think he is? Sending us a letter like 1 Corinthians. I mean, he's not here. He doesn't see the temperature. He doesn't understand the culture. Who does he think he is coming in here, starting a church and then leaving and going somewhere else and then telling us how it is that we're supposed to live? Who does he think he is? This is how we think we should live. This is how we should... And, and so Paul writes this second letter, 2 Corinthians. Paul's got to deal with this fallout of the disciplinary first letter. This mixed multitude has gone in and has begun to infect the church. And Paul's going in, and for the first uh, seven chapters, Paul's going to have to go in and lay out his and, and basically second corinthians has three different parts to it chapters one through seven are paul qualif paul's qualifications and his explanations of his ministry as an apostle chapter eight chapters eight and nine talk about uh it's it's a it's quick little sub point in there where paul is describing and talking about giving and the joys of giving 
and what the purpose of giving was for. But then in chapters 10 through 13, Paul has to go in there and he has to rebut what this mixed multitude has has crept in there. Who does he think he is? He has to once again go in there and detail his apostleship. And this is the kind of a thing that makes Paul uncomfortable. But he begins here, and, 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 and well, I, I'm out of time. So there's our introduction for next week. But here's the thing. He's going to talk about, Paul's going to come in and he's going to talk about this comfort. I would encourage you to read the first 11 verses. Here's what I would like you to do. You want to get a lot out of next week's message? Read the first 11 verses. That's what I'm going to teach on next week. That's what I intended to teach on today until Kevin brought up the whole politic thing. It's Kevin's fault. No, it was a good word. I think it was an apropos. I think it was, it was very apropos for today. Because I think when we come to church, I think that there are times where the world is in such upheaval. And we've got to know, come on, what are we as a church supposed to be doing right now in the midst of all of this? Where are you going to learn that? Facebook? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The media? Hopefully, we can learn amongst our family that we call our church as we look to the word. And that's the cool thing. I don't care what church you go to as a pastor gets up or an assistant pastor gets up and exhorts you, guys, gang, don't be baited. Don't be baited in. There's a mixed multitude out there trying to cause discord. Trying to sow discord. Go back into Proverbs chapter 7 and find out what God thinks about discord. It's one of the seven things that God hates. Those who sow discord amongst the brethren. Know this. If you have a family, a church, like Corinth, and you go in and you try to, to, to put a seed of doubt in here, you put a seed of, 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 of uh, displeasure or dislike you put a seed of, 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 uh, of discontentment. You put a seed in there. You know, you begin to talk about, oh, yeah, I, if I were in that position, I wouldn't do that. You know, if I were the pastor, I would have said this, but he, I'm not the pastor. Oh, my goodness, we've had people in this fellowship like that. Had a guy that lost his church because he lost his family. Because he slept with his secretary as a pastor. Ended up marrying the secretary, divorcing his wife, marrying the secretary, destroying her family, destroying his family. Ended up coming to our church. And he would stay on the outside of the door for the first couple of weeks. And I'm thinking, what is that guy doing out there? And I ended up talking to him and saying, you know what? Come on inside. Come on inside. I'm not one that likes to beat down on somebody for the sin that they've committed. I wanted the guy to come in. I wanted the guy to be, to be dealt with with the Lord. Let God do a work in your heart, man. But let me present Christ to you, man. Let, be fed. Let God do the, whole, the, the, the work in you. Let the Holy Spirit do the work in you. 
I don't know where your heart is. I don't know where you are. But here's the thing. I know that I've been called to minister to people. And so I brought the guy in. It was only a matter of time before he started liking people in our fellowship. (laughs) Would I do it again? Probably. I'd be a little bit more attentive. But he ended up meeting with some people after service and getting together with them for lunch and so on and so forth. Sowing little seeds of doubt about their pastor. All the while inviting me to lunch out here at Cattleman and Bee Ridge. And going to McDonald's is a big spender. And patting me on the back saying, hey man, I've been where you are. And I know, I know the struggles of pastors. I just want to let you know I'm here, I'm here for you. You can share with me anything you want. You got anything? Mm-mm, I don't. I mean, anything, I don't know, something that maybe you're struggling with? And let me know, man. I'm here for you. I, I want to pray for you. Mm, I don't. He spent about 40, he spent the whole lunch basically trying to get some dirt on me for me to confess some dirt to him because he was meeting with people. Trying to take my church over. Trying to, trying to, to, to usurp the pulpit because he lost his pulpit. He disqualified himself by what he did. And so when someone showed him kindness and brought him in to try to minister to him, what did, how did he repay? He came in and started sowing discord amongst my brethren. A lot of the church left after that. I met up with some, one of the people who, who left my church over at the conference in the midst of that. You don't hear these things. I don't share these things very often. But here's the thing. Sowing discord is a very bad thing. I don't know where this guy is now. Hopefully he hasn't gone into another church and destroyed another church or another church or another church in order to attain his goal of being a pastor again. I'm not saying that God couldn't make him a pastor again. Just don't go to my church. Don't go to someone else's church and try to rip it off. If God wants it to be your church, he'll make it your church. I try to hold on to this church very loosely. This isn't my church. This is God's church. God ever wants to take me out? He can do it. He knows how to. This isn't my church. But on the other hand, I'm very jealous of you guys. And, and I, I'm not a very confrontational person. I hate conflict. But I can be very aggressive when aggressiveness needs to be the case. And I can be, I can be, I can be a sheepdog. And I can bear fangs. When the congregation is at stake when the sheep are at stake you know who I learned that from I learned that from Jesus that's what I learned I learned that from Jesus he protects his sheep the good shepherd doesn't allow the wolves to get in and take the mixed multitude we're going to talk a little bit about the mixed multitude next week but what we're going to mostly focus on is Paul 
and what he has gone, what's going on in his life, even in the midst of all the discord, even in the midst of, of this mixed multitude that's come in there, what it is that he's endured, and there were a vast majority of the church that was still behind Paul. And you're going to find that out as, I'm, going to, I'm sorry, my wife says, don't tell him the story of the thief in the night because we want to watch it someday. We're going to go through the book of 2 Corinthians. You're going to find out we went in the end again. Sorry. I'm telling you the end, okay? Paul's going to find out, hey, these guys, they've taken the, 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 the word, they've taken my exhortation, and the vast majority of them have received it. I wish all of them were, but here's the thing. The vast majority have taken it. There's still a mixed multitude there, and I wish that we could remove the mixed multitude. But you know what? Some of those mixed multitude will open their eyes and see the light and will become a brother or a sister one day, hopefully. That's a prayer. But here's the thing. Go through verses 1 through 11. Prepare in your own head. Study it. Find out. This is how I really like for us. I mean, here's the beginning of the year. On Tuesday night, did I, I'm sorry, Kevin, I was back there um, doing something. Um, you didn't announce on Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday night. Uh, I think we're going to postpone on Tuesday night to the following Tuesday. But on Tuesday night, the men are going through a study on how to study your Bible. <laughs> and it's in-depth, man. <laughs> it's serious. This is not a kid's program here, man. It's crazy. Right now, we're having to outline First and Second Samuel. Go home and outline First and Second Samuel. See you in a month. Here's the thing. What I want us to do as a body... It's something that Pastor Chuck did a long time ago. He says, get people in the Word and read. Get them reading their Bible. Get them praying. A praying church and a reading church is a strong church. You read your Bible. You pray. Pray for me. Pray for me to be your pastor. Pray for me. Pray for Kevin. Pray for us to be able to adequately lead you because you know what? We are so ill-equipped to do this. If, if, if you think that we think that we're more than we are, please know this. We are not who you think we are. We are weak, man. We desperately need God to give us wisdom and direction. We need to know how it is that God wants us to lead this church forward. Now, no, there's no gross sin or anything like that, but the thing is, is that we recognize we're just men that need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to minister to you. You are God's precious sheep, but so are we. And, and God is wanting to minister to all of us. And so here's the thing. I want us to be the best-fed, best-loved sheep in all of Sarasota, in all of Florida, in all of the nations, the best fed, best love. I want you to know that when you walk in this place, you have pastors that love you very, very much. And that you have pastors that are not willing to hold any punches when punches need to be thrown out there. I mean, that's a shepherd. To, 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 to sit there, not that we're going to punch you. <laughs> that's a figure of speech, okay? I'm, no, we're not going to punch you. Hey, come here. It's your turn. We're going into the back room, you know, coming out with a couple bumps and bruises. No, no. But 
we're not going to hold back of what the Word says simply to compromise to keep people here. We're not going to ever do that. We're going we're to teach the Word. We're going to teach it the way that we believe that God's called us to teach it, even when it's hard to hear. Even when it goes against what it is that we think that we should be hearing right now. We're going to teach what God wants us to teach. Because you are His sheep, not ours. But here's what I want to do. I want us to read. I want us to pray. I want you to know every week I end off. I, I, hopefully you've all understood this by now. I'm just starting 1 Corinthians. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to go through the first 11 verses next week. Guess where I'm going to go right after that? The following week. I'm going to begin in verse what? 12. That's right. We're going to begin in verse 12. Why? Because we're going to work through the Word of God. That's what we do here. Verse by verse through the Word of God. Now, I know I don't expound on every single exact verse. I understand that. But I try to stick to verse by verse as closely as I can so that you know exactly where we're going to be the next week. So that you can prepare yourself when you come into this place. You, you leave this place and you go, I didn't really get a whole lot out of it. You know what? That's not altogether my fault. That's your fault too. Our job, our job this year is to recognize where we're going to go the next week. Spend some time every day this week is what I would encourage you to do. Read the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Read it every day this week and ask yourself some questions. What does this mean? Why does it mean this? Who is he speaking to? What does it mean to me? How can I take this and use it and minister to others by it? Because you know what? Next Sunday when you come in, you're going to get a whole lot more out of the message next week than you have in the past. And I would like for us to be those people. Does that make sense? We understand what God's called us to be. Let's be serious about it. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. And, and Lord, I know I've kind of went off on a little bit of a rabbit trail regarding what to do in these very tumultuous days in our own country. And it's actually in the world. Because as America goes right now, it seems like that's the way that the world goes seems like the world is looking at the United States of America wondering what's happening. What they're seeing is, is much division. What I pray that they don't see is that the church of God that lives in the United States of America, I pray that they do not see it divided. I pray that they see that every real church in the United States, not ones that just put church on their sign or say that they're a church, but those who truly adhere to your word, truly call upon your name as Lord and Savior and God and King, that all agree that you died on a cross and you rose again from the dead for our sin, the only way to heaven through you, Jesus Christ. That every church here in the United States that calls upon your name in that manner, the manner that you have called the church to call upon you, in your word, I pray, Lord, that the nations of the world, that even our own nation, would be able to look on the churches and see. You know what? There's political division. One thing I don't see is division within the church. These guys are bananas for their one king, and it's not our president. They're, 
They're bananas for Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know why, but they have something that I don't have. I pray, God, that we become attractive to the world. I pray that we are truly the lights that the moths will be drawn to. I pray, God, that the darkness that exists upon the face of the earth, that you send us out as lights into the darkness, that people would see our light and be drawn in by it. And they'd wonder, what is it that brightens your face? What is it that brightens your life? What is it that you're living for that I don't have? And then, God, give us the the wherewithal to share with them the love and the grace and the comfort and, and the eternity salvation that you have given to us. May you give us that ability, Lord. Make us, empower us, equip us, Lord, to truly represent you well this very day and tomorrow and until every day until we come back again next week. May we study your first 11 verses of 2 Corinthians or when we come back in, we will become much more fruit, fruitful. We will understand much more next week. I pray, God, that you would you'd do a work in our church as we are serious with you, Lord, and bask in the glory that you are and run to you for wisdom. Call upon your Holy Spirit to pour out upon us afresh daily that we would take up our cross daily and deny ourselves daily and walk after you, God, that we would see this church turned upside down and just radically used for you. But you got to do it through us first, Lord. And I know that. You do this work in us, God, please. We beg of you. Pour out your Holy Spirit on every person in this place. May they see your love. May they experience your love in this place. May they experience your grace in this place. May they experience your purpose in this place. May we all. We love you, God. Do this work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.